Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights. I am your host, Daniel Marino. There's a recent survey that came out by Kaufman Hall, um, their hospital, National Hospital Flash Reports. It's actually really good. I've, I've looked at it many times, both on the hospital side and the physician side. And in the recent report that they put out, they mentioned that five takeaways that um, were interesting observations from the hospital perspective. One is that hospitals are still operating in a negative margin, although that margin is decreasing. Actually in April, uh, with all the hospitals that they surveyed, um, there was a actually a 0% operating margin. But that also takes into consideration the larger hospitals, many of the smaller hospitals, um, particularly the community hospitals or specialty hospitals, still are operating at a loss. Volumes within the hospitals are decreasing, but interestingly enough, length of stay is increasing. And we all know that that certainly affects the star ratings and um, a lot of the performance around value-based purchasing. Medicaid disenrollment is also occurring, but the biggest one that I saw that again is, is still an issue that we're seeing with many hospitals, many physician practices, is inflation continues to really be a significant challenge with hospital finances. Well, I am pleased today to have as my guest uh, a long-term colleague and friend, Nili Jasami. Nili is the Chief Financial Officer of Houston Physician Hospital down in Houston, Texas. Nili, welcome to the program. Good morning. How are you, Dan? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you. So, Nili, given those above challenges that I mentioned and, and some of the things that are identified in the Kaufman Hall National Hospital Flash Report, what are you seeing as, as some of the major issues affecting Houston Physicians Hospital financial performance? I think the two major drivers for Houston Physicians Hospital is the reimbursement pressures from the payers. We are in the last 18 to 24 months, we've had to go into renegotiations with a, with a few payers and it's, we got beat up, Dan. We got, we got, yeah. Knockout actually on one of them. We just got knocked out. And the other one is uh, supply costs, um, which is not, not, I mean, we're seeing that everywhere. Every hospital is dealing with that. And so we're doing some things that are help, helping us offset those increases in supply costs that we can talk about later. Well, and, and as you know, you know, revenue is one side of the equation, but your expenses and how you structure those are the other. And if your expenses are going up, you know, you can't just automatically increase your revenues. Your revenues are fixed and tied into the, to the payers. That's correct. Yes. And so we, we've definitely started increasing the revenue and, and not through rates, but through volume. Right. And the volume growth is, is helping us help offset the rate impact. Have you focused more on surgeries um, or is there an ambulatory component either through the ASC or maybe through some of your therapies that are figuring into your volume expansion? Yeah, so we've definitely 
brought in different types of surgeons. So we've opened up a, um, not opened up, but we've definitely expanded mm -hmm. our robotics services through the GYN and general surgeries. And so we bought a Da Vinci last year. And oh, great. Yeah. So just because, you know, I mean, that that's definitely, it's, it's for GYN and general surgeons, that's definitely something they want. And we haven't really focused on that, those service, those service lines before. So we invested in one. Again, that was in play probably three years ago when we made that decision. And it just took a long time to get that here because of all the supply chain issues. So we actually weren't able to launch it till mid last year. And it was supposed to be launched much sooner than that. So those were things that we had already we knew that we had to prior to the reimbursement pressures coming down the pipeline. Right. So you um, knew you needed to do something in terms of volume. Yeah. You know, I guess the supply chain challenges that you had a couple of years ago essentially worked in your favor, right? Because now you were able to get that and add additional uh, surgeries yep. based on some of the robotics to, to support it, which, you know, I think that's, that's certainly key. Um, how about some of the turnover and, and the staffing challenges that you've had? Are you seeing a lot of turnover? Is it stabilizing? Are you, are you, you know, particularly in the nursing arena, um, are, are you able to recruit or, or you still see this a challenge in your organization? It's, it's, I can't say it's a huge issue. Our turnover rates are, are much lower than what I see around the market. But it's still a problem, right? Um, it, because every time someone leaves, the cost of bringing them back is so much more, plus the training cost and everything, sure. right? Um, I want to say our people, are, our, our nurses and our non-clinical staff are happier here. <laughs> um, our turnover rate is, is lower, but yeah, we still have the challenges. Of course we do, because the nurses and especially, you know, on our on the inpatient and in the surgery world, that's where our nurses are, right? Um, yes, they they definitely, they, they all talk, they know the market. So yes, we've had to deal with um, increases and in looking at the market rates. We're doing uh, market analysis every six months now. We, we used to never have to do that, right? right? So HR has processes now where they actually have to look at market, uh, market rates and market analysis every six months. That's in, I mean, Dan, you know, that's crazy. You got to like do we, it. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to, because we don't want to be caught off guard. If, you know, if our CSTs are coming to us and like, Hey, someone down the street's paying me X dollar more an hour. We don't want to be caught off guard. We want to be able to have that knowledge in our back pocket to be able to give them. No, that's actually not true. Or yes, that this is what we can do. And it, it's, it's very difficult. It's very, very difficult, but we, that's, that's the process that we put in place to help for us to be knowledgeable. Well, you have to be competitive, right? I mean, yes, getting that insight, that's the only way to be competitive. And to be oh, yeah. you know, totally transparent to our, our listeners, I've had the, the, the wonderful opportunity to work with Houston Physician Hospitals for a number of years. And Nilly, your, your leadership team has built a great culture down there. And I've felt time and time again, I've, I've spoken about this um, with many folks across the country, you have to be competitive on rates, but in order to really manage a lot of the turnover challenges, 
the financial challenges related to our workforce, you have to create a strong culture, right? You have to create the culture that makes people want to work there. And as you've said, and I agree with you, I think people are happy working in, in your organization. And we see that a lot of times with smaller community hospitals or specialty hospitals. Right. Yeah, we definitely, I think I've told you this, Jan, before I came to HPH, you know, I I came from a more corporate healthcare background. And so the employee engagement here is something I've never experienced anywhere else. And I'm not right. just saying that because I work here, but we put in a lot of effort to have that high employee engagement. Um, and it, it's, it takes resources and it takes a lot of time, but it does pay off because our, our turnover rates are so much lower. We still have to deal with the, the pressures, right? The external pressures of inflation with, with salary rates. But it's, I, I really do think that's a huge piece of the puzzle is that we put so much into employee engagement. And look, when I first started here, um, our CEO, I, I would be like, wait, we're spending how much in t-shirts? You know, <laughs> we, we give out, you know, we're known for our t-shirts here. And, you know, but it's a it little really, things make a difference. It's a little things. It really is. Uh, yeah. We, 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 every month we, every, in my department, um, we spent, one, there's one thing we focus on every month um, in, in the departments. And for example, last, last month we focused on integrity and um, each person had um, a banner and it was, what is, give, give me what your integrity motto is for your, for, for you as an, as a person. Right. And so everyone, and again, and, and not, it wasn't all across the hospital, but for all my departments, they did right. their individual one. But across the hospital, what we did was every department made their own banner. And then we were able to hang it up in, in our um, cafeteria area and everyone could see what everyone's motto was in terms of integrity. That's one of our mission statements that we believe in. And so it's just we, we really do focus on that. And this right. month we have something else that we're doing. But Yeah, and the culture piece yeah. is, though, I mean, it's huge. huge. If you're just tuning in, I am Daniel Marino. You're listening to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm here talking to Nilly Jasami. She's a chief operating officer. I'm sorry, chief financial officer of Houston Physician Hospital. Um, Nilly, I want to get back to one other thing that you mentioned, and I'd like to dive into this a little bit. With where interest rates are right now, it's, of course, putting a lot of pressure on hospitals to fund some, some capital expansion, um, some, some new equipment and so forth. How have you responded to that? So last year, um, I had, I was approved for X amount of capital purchases through my main bank. And I actually had not used the majority of it because we had slowed down purchase, mm -hmm. the, the purchasing, right? The capital purchasing but I had the ability to actually pull all of it and put it in basically in an escrow account. I'd have to pay interest and principal on it, but the interest rate on it was only 3%. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. And so I, cause I was approved for that loan back in, um, 2021. And so I, you know, you don't ever want to pull money out when you're not using it. Right. I mean, that's just the, to me, no, I'm like, oh, just, I'm not, I don't want the arbitrage so, factor just makes sense, right? Because if right. you've got that line that's paying 3% as opposed to funding 
something else yeah. through, you know, an equipment vendor that's, you know, 8%. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that interest arbitrage is key. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think it actually was three and a half percent, but yeah, we, so we ended up back actually in, it was late fall. We ended up pulling it and um, I've been using that for the capital funding that we've needed for 2023. Now, obviously that's going to run out um, in 2023. So then we'll have to revisit all of that again, but that's definitely, it was a huge, huge uh, decision, a great decision that we made. Um, and we, we, it's, it's definitely helped us out for this year. Now I have some different things I'm thinking through for 2024, which is related to what I was mentioning earlier, related to working with the vendors on sure. potential placement agreements or usage agreements, or even one of our large vendors, we're doing a conversion project with them with, um, they're not part of a, they're, they're trying to gain market share in one of our orthopedic subspecialties. And so we had to buy, we're going to have to buy a bunch of equipment. And so what we're going to do is do a conversion project. If we convert so much, so many supplies to them, we'll actually get some capital credit back if we purchase. Oh, with them. nice. If that makes sense. If that yeah. makes sense. So, so it, then, it sounds like you're definitely have had to become a lot more innovative as to how yes. you've structured these relations to the vendors with the vendors. And so are you seeing the vendors um, being a lot more willing to yes. structure deals differently? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Because a, they want to, they want to, some of these people want to, and you know, if you know your, if you know your landscape of what you have in the hospital, like for example, if you have, 70% Medtronic or 70% Stryker or Boston Scientific, whatever your vendor landscape is, then you can maybe talk to the vendors that want to gain market share and see, hey, I'm like, I'm going to need X, Y, Z, these, this, these, these capital items. What are some things that you can work with me around capital? Because they want you to buy capital and they want to get that supply cost. Well, they want to keep that long-term relationship, yeah. right? And yeah. I mean, they're seeing yeah. the challenges as well, too, when, when you're talking about all the inflationary pressures that are occurring. Exactly. If you don't have a relationship so, with the hospitals, you're not going to get anything through. Yeah. So I've had to really get into supply chain. I've yeah. had to get my hands real, real deep into supply chain um, negotiations, contracts, modeling with them. Um, and that's something that, you know, we, uh, again, we're a smaller hospital, but I think one of the things for CFOs out there is really getting your hand into supply chain and not yeah, I agree uh, being consistent with it, but really getting in there, looking at it. You know, another thing that our, uh, the the way we positioned this hospital, we didn't want to go into contracting because we got mm. better rates, local contracts. Right. Well, that's, coming back on us. And so I'm actually having to really look at, do I want to go into the GPO pricing? Yeah. And so well, many hospitals a, have, yeah. many hospitals have gone into GPO and, um, you know, there is, there's a lot to be said for a lot of uh, participating in, in a national rate negotiation uh, through a GPO. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I give you credit for looking at that. I think it's great. Yeah. And before, like before, it, we were actually better off not being, and not not everything mm -hmm. was off GPO. Just some of the, sure. especially high dollar implants. So we're we're looking at it now with with our vendors. But I have, you know, I have to have meetings with them quarterly. I'm, I'm with them. I've become, 
you know, you have to have that relationship with them to start having those conversations. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. So Nilly, when, when you think about the financial performance and the financial pressures that, you know, that, that your hospital is under, um, have you, have you had to look and make any tough decisions on services? Have you, have you refocused a lot of your attention uh, on maybe some of those services that aren't, you know, it's a shame, but they're just not making any money or, you know, you have no choice but to either reduce those or maybe you've made the decision the other way. Hey, we know we're going to lose money, but this is the right thing to do for our patients, for our physicians. So it's going to be a loss leader for us. Have you have you dove into those types of services and those discussions? So since we're so focused on um, our, our primary source of revenue does come from surgeries, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't, we don't typically do cases that are, you know, not making, like that are sure. under. And so I can't say that, of course, we, um, let me back up, actually, let me back up. We, in, the reason why we've actually grown the volume, just not in orthopedics or spine, is in the, and those are high, those are our bread and butter, right? Those are the right. high, high volume. Sure, uh, the high contribution margin services. Right. But, you know, we've had to really look at expanding to other service lines because we can't just depend on that. And so the margin, so no, we haven't, for what you're saying is have we had to stop the service? No, we've actually grown services that aren't as high margin as the other service lines have been. And like PT is another, physical therapy is another example of resources that we've, we've put a lot of resources into growing our physical therapy service line. We're going to hopefully hit 100,000 visits in 2023. Um, is it high margin? It's not. It's high volume, and it it, it carries itself. And so, right. and we think from a quality perspective, keeping those the the types of surgeries that we're doing, the post care of going into physical therapy within our clinics, that we know that we're we train those therapists, we we know their their outcomes. It's a huge, huge uh, satisfier for our patients. And well, it's so, a big value add, right? Not only, you know, like you said, for your patients, yeah. but also for your physicians. And it's part of what you need to do if you're going to create, you know, a strong, comprehensive services in support of, say, orthopedics or, or some of the other service lines. Um, it, it just, you know, I, I know that as, as and I, we do this in our own business, right? You're, you're constantly looking at, where you can become more efficient, you're constantly looking at where you could maximize yep. your financial opportunities. But you know, sometimes you just have to do it because it's the right thing to do. Yes, that's right. So, in 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 looking at some of your, um, you know, I guess some of the the, the activities happening around um, Houston area, you know, there's been a lot of collaboration in in other markets where, you know, the physicians in the hospitals have just to have form a tighter relationship, you know, whether it's been an integrated network or just to do some collaboration of services. Um, Are you having any of those discussions? Are you seeing collaboration as kind of a key as it picked up a little bit? Or do you feel like, you know, the relationship that you have right now with your physicians have really been, been good and has been strong? 
No, we've definitely had to reach out to to different practices around the mm-hmm. you know around the market. We are looking into that for sure. There is there are recruitment efforts into going out and you know creating those relationships with large um, with large practices, especially since we we right. are the high quality, low cost option. In the market. Well, and I think in working with your organization, you've been extremely physician friendly, right? Your level of collaboration yeah. with physicians, I think, is really something that's carried you, and that's that's just you know embedded in your in your culture, right? That's the fabric of right. of what you do. So I could see yeah. that that is really a, a big value driver for for your team, for your physicians, and and so forth. Well, Nilly, this has been. This has been great. I, I really appreciate the conversation. For our listeners, um, particularly those on the on the finance side, any pieces of advice that you might be willing to share or can offer to some of our listeners? I think the couple of things that I would focus on is revenue cycle technology. I think the payers are way ahead of us. And we as the hospitals have to get on board with revenue cycle technology. And like, for example, Dan, you know, we're working on this 855 project with you yep. and really digging into our 855s. What, what are the trends? You know, that's just one, something very, very simple, but I, I'm actually looking at several different revenue cycle technologies to come in through the intake process, through the billing process, the collection. Um, it, it is tough, right? Because margins, I don't have a lot of resources to put into it, but we have to. We have to get smarter right. with revenue cycle technology. Well, and I'll tell you, that's an area that I, I think every finance person, every CFO focuses on revenue cycle. They all think, you know, and they all believe that yeah. the revenue cycle has to improve. And I, I fully agree. Well, Nilly, this has been this has been great. I really appreciate your time. You know, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you or network with you, how any thoughts? How, how can they get a hold of you? Sure, um, LinkedIn is great. That's very easy. Um, my name is and Nilly Jasemi. I think Daniel have it in the detail. Yep. And so, yeah, just just definitely look me up on LinkedIn. Great. Well, again, thanks again for your time, Nilly. This has been fantastic. Love to have you back sometime down the road. Hopefully, things will kind of uh, improve a little bit. And it sounds like certainly within with what you're doing within your organization, you guys have made some real strides. So I commend you for that. But thanks again for your time today. This has been great. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. And I want to thank our listeners for joining in uh, today. And until our next insight, I am Daniel Marino bringing you 30 minutes of value to your day. Thanks and take care.